You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. Hey, guys. You know what? You guys can come right on up front, you kids, because we're going to start off with a children's message. So come on forward. It's great to see all of you. Find a seat if you can. There's plenty of room for everybody. Come on down. Hello. Yep, come on, come on. We got space for you. So this, the start of today's sermon is just for you kids, and I'm going to need your help doing something. You know, normally when you all come forward here, it's kind of boring. I know I just stand here and I talk and you answer questions. Today we're going we're gonna to do something a little bit different. We're going to play a game. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. It's a game that... Uh, I bet you've played before, most of you. It's a simple game. It's called Follow the Leader. Yeah, guess who the leader's going to be? Yeah, me. I'm going to be the leader, so I'm going to get up, and um, I want you to follow me. And this means that wherever I go, you have to go, and whatever I do, you have to do. Okay, sound good? Okay, stand up. Here we go. All right, and form a line behind me. We're going to go this way to start off with, okay? Good job. Keep it going. Wave your arms. Keep waving your arms till you get back to your seat. Good. Silly waves. Good. Good job, everyone. A couple more. You can grab your seat once you're, you're back up front. All right. Great job, everyone. Let's give them a round of applause. Great job with Follow the Leader. So I got a question for you. Tell me what you liked and didn't like about that game. Raise your hand if you have an answer. Something you liked or you didn't like. Yeah, you want to go first? That is fantastic. Had nothing to do with the question, but I'm glad that you played puzzles. Yeah. Did you have an answer what you liked, Webb? Like going backwards, yeah, great. How about, did, did anyone have an answer of something they didn't like? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's an honest answer. Good. Do we have another thing that you didn't like? Do you have an answer? Go ahead. Okay. You, you liked when we went backwards. Good. Here's, here's the point that I wanted you to understand and why we did that game. You can put your hands down. So, you know, sometimes here at church we talk about that we have to believe in Jesus, and that's true, but we don't just believe in Jesus, we follow Jesus. And that's really important that it's not just something up here in your brain, but it's something that you do with your whole body, your whole life. Yeah, I bet you do. But here's the thing about following someone else. As we discovered in this game, sometimes you have to do stuff that you don't like and you're not in control. And that's true with following Jesus too. But we can still follow after Jesus because we can trust that wherever he leads us is good for us. All right? I want you to remember that as I read the passage today and talk. So, Let me pray for us, and then we have some sheets that you can take when you go back to be with your families. All right? Close your eyes, fold your hands, and we're going to pray. Jesus, thank you for these young friends, and I pray that you would help them to believe in you and to follow after you wherever you go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Miss Jennifer is going to help you get your sheets, and you can head back to your seats. And I know that some of you adults out there that didn't come forward today, you're really feeling like you missed out on that game. I'm going to be leading a second round after the service, so please feel free to meet me up here at the front of the sanctuary. Um, So with the children's message as kind of our introduction, we're going to read a passage from Scripture now, and we're continuing in our series from the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to read some verses from Luke chapter 9. Specifically, we're going to read together Luke 9, verses 23 through 27. These words are printed in the worship guide. You can follow along there. If you have a Bible, open up and read silently as I read these words aloud. Here's what it says, and it's Jesus talking, speaking to his disciples just after Peter has confessed that Jesus is the Christ. He says this, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory." And the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me again. Father, we ask now that through your word we would see Jesus Christ. We ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. 
So if you're here with us last week, I introduced a question that came directly from Luke 9, and I said that quite simply it's the most important question that you'll ever answer in your life. And it's the question that Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? But then I also said that we not only answer that question with our mouths, but we answer it with our lives. And Jesus, in today's passage, is unfolding what it looks like to answer that question with your life. What does it look like to follow Jesus? Not simply to make a confession about who Jesus is, but with all of your life to follow after him. You know, it's possible to get a confession of who Jesus is correct, but to live it out entirely wrong. In fact, it's maybe more common than we'd like to admit. Today, I want to talk with you about what it really looks like to follow after Jesus Christ. Uh, I also said last week, I described how when uh, 30 years ago, when I was in high school, I wrestled for the first time with the question, who do you say that I am, that Jesus asked. And I did that at a Young Life Camp. Some of you are familiar with Young Life Camps. And uh, later, I went on to be a leader with Young Life and eventually on staff. And I had a friend who was on staff. And uh, every summer after their camp trip, as kids heard this message of Jesus Christ, on the bus ride home, he would try to talk kids out of believing in Jesus. It seems counterintuitive, right? Like the whole thing is organized around introducing Jesus to these students and letting them come to a decision. But he would spend the bus ride home trying to talk them out of it. Why? He did that because he wanted them to truly follow after Jesus. And he knew that a life of following after Jesus was hard and filled with suffering and risk and sometimes ridicule. And he didn't want to, they didn't, he didn't want them to make that decision lightly. He wanted them to count the cost of following Jesus. And I think that's what Jesus himself is doing in this passage. You see, my friend was basing this unorthodox approach right out of Luke 9. There's a a famous Christian book by a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and it's called The Cost of Discipleship. And in this book, there's a quote at the top of the worship guide today. It says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Following after Jesus is a life of suffering, a life of death. You know, I brought this particular book today partly to show off that I have this old hardbound copy of this book. It uh, was published in 1961. It's not a first edition, but it was my, my dad's book. And it, he, uh, he was given this book by his brother, uh, his older brother, uh, when he was 20 years old. And I read the inscription and it says this, with great expectations and prayers that wherever he leads, we may follow. I thought that was so fitting and so helpful because my uncle was encouraging my dad to follow after Jesus, to count the cost, to know the cost of discipleship. And I want you to do the same thing today. What does it mean then to follow after Jesus? What does it look like based on these these verses? Well, it means a cross, it means a loss, and it means a boss. A cross, a loss, and a boss. Look with me again at verse 23. 
Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. There are really three commands in verse 23, uh, to deny oneself, to take up one's cross, and to follow Jesus. And I think those first two commands really uh, describe what it means to follow. It's self-denial and it's taking up our cross. Well, what does self-denial mean? Self-denial, as Jesus uses it here in verse 23, uh, does not mean giving up desserts. That's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not the self-denial he's talking about. He's, uh, what he means, what Jesus means, is it's giving up uh, yourself as the king of your life, as the one who's uh, in control, the one who gets to make all the decisions. You see, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to deny yourself as the one who is the authority. So there's self-denial, but there's also this phrase of taking up a cross. Take up your cross and follow me. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Well, what does that mean exactly? It means that the cross is not simply the content of the Christian faith, but it's the form that our faith takes in our lives. We look to the cross, Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sin, but our lives then have a cruciform shape. They also look like the cross. The cross is not just the story of Christianity, it is the shape that Christianity takes for us. In the life of Christ, the cross is talked about in different ways by theologians. In fact, his whole life is sort of headed towards the cross, and theologians call this his humiliation. Uh, maybe most clearly evidenced in Philippians 2, where it says, although he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and became a servant. He became a man, but not just any man. He became a servant, and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus was living. He was demonstrating the life of following him, that our lives, too, would be one of humiliation, one of suffering. And so we just sang together this song, Jesus, I, my cross, have taken. Now, we, on, uh, as staff of City Church, sometimes we joke a little bit about this song. Maybe it's just me who jokes about it. It's a long song, right? It's the only song that we sing that I think maybe needs an intermission. But it's a great song because of the way it so clearly demonstrates that the, the Christian life is a life of the cross. And so whether or not you hear anything from me today, go back and read the, the words of that song, and you'll get the message of how we take up our cross and follow after Jesus. It says in one of the verses, come disaster, scorn, and pain, right? A life of suffering that makes sense only because we are following after Jesus, and he went before us, and his cross stands as this great emblem drawing us into suffering. Now, let me uh, give a couple qualifiers about this suffering, because when we talk about it, sometimes it, it can be strange or weird to our ears. First of all, this sort of suffering, taking up your cross, it is not masochism. It doesn't mean that you run into every form of possible suffering that you could. It doesn't mean that. What it means is that we... Um, 
that we don't avoid suffering. And so much in our lives, isn't it, is designed about uh, deadening ourselves to any sort of pain or suffering, distancing, escaping away from suffering. Following after Jesus says, I'm not going to avoid suffering because where you lead God, I will trust you. So it means we can say to other people, I'm not afraid of your mess. I'll walk that path with you. It means that we say to other people as they're walking through a valley, we say, I want to go with you because the love of Christ and the example of Christ compels me to go with you. That's what it means to take up our cross. Also, it's, it's worth qualifying this to say, uh, Jesus says, take up your cross. He doesn't say, take up my cross, right? Christ has done one-time work on the cross where he has paid for all of our sins. We do not have to pay for sin anymore. It's 100% done. When Christ says, take up your cross, he is saying, uh, receive and accept the suffering that comes to you for my sake in this world. It also doesn't say, take up other people's cross. You can walk with them as they bear their cross, but their cross is not your cross. Their suffering is not your suffering to own. And, and maybe the last qualifier that helps us understand this a little bit, because there can be confusion around this too, is that when Jesus is talking about suffering here, taking up your cross, he is not talking about that suffering that is common to all of us in, as humans. There is a certain suffering that comes to us as uh, people who live in this broken world. That is not fundamentally what he's talking about. He is talking about the particular suffering that comes from being a disciple of Jesus. The scorn, the ridicule, the uh, unexpected way that you live and the cost that that brings to your life. So, that may mean the suffering involved in putting to death lusts in sins that the world thinks are perfectly fine. But because you're a follower of Jesus, because you live following a different ethic, there is a cost to the sanctification and the holiness that you live by. You know, part of that, uh, part of the cost that comes to me, and, and, and maybe this seems simple or, uh, simple or, or, or lame to you, but it's every time I get asked the question, so what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. And it, it's almost as though palpably I can feel people's respect of me dropping when I say that out loud. Right? Is that a suffering? Maybe it's not much of a suffering. Maybe it's not much of a cross. But I feel it. And I have a, a decision to make when I'm asked that question. Will I follow after Jesus? Receiving whatever ridicule, whatever loss of estimation that may come from another person's eyes. And the same for you. When they say, oh, what did you do this weekend? I went to church. I worshipped my Lord. I was reminded of my Savior. That's the cross that comes from following Jesus. The second word is a loss. Following Jesus involves a loss, and we see this in verse 24. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. The loss of following Jesus is a loss of all the things that the world offers and says, quite frankly, 
that these are better than following after Jesus. Again, Jesus, I my cross have taken, says, go then earthly fame and treasure. That's the loss. A follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus says, earthly fame, earthly treasure, I'm going to let him go. I count it all loss because of following Jesus. Following Jesus means that you lose the world, even the best things in the world, because there is something greater. There is someone greater. This is so hard for our minds to understand because what Jesus is doing is he's flipping over completely the economy of the world in all the things that you and I have been taught and habituated by the world. All the ways of climbing to the top. Jesus says, no, those things are loss compared with following me. Jesus is saying, quite frankly, there is nothing that compares to discipleship. Following in my footsteps, coming after me. You ever heard the phrase, maybe you've uh, used the phrase before of someone, uh, he's really just throwing his life away. Seems like he's throwing his life away. And a lot of times that might have to do with uh, throwing away opportunity, throwing away education, throwing away money. What Jesus is saying in this passage is, if you would follow after me, you're throwing your life away according to the world's standards. I got an email a week or so ago announcing my 25th college reunion. Yeah, I went to college when I was 14. It's okay. Um, and, and so once I got past the shock of it actually being 25 years since I graduated from college, uh, uh, what came to mind was this phrase. He's throwing his life away. Because the thought of going to a college reunion, and maybe for you it's a high school reunion, it doesn't have to be number 25, right? It's, it's this idea of seeing your classmates who have more money, more success, more prestige, more power than you do. It's that, that uh, nervousness, it's that anxiety that we all feel when we begin to compare ourselves. And this question goes through my mind, did I throw my life away? And how would my classmates answer that question versus how would Jesus answer that question? Also, this week I was uh, was having a meal with a friend of mine and we were just catching up on life and he he said at one point, yeah, my brother-in-law just got a big payday. And you know what the first thought that went through my mind? Like immediately, I want to get a big payday. (laughs) When is my big payday coming? Because I'm habituated to the the American dream and the the story of success. And so much of that story has to do with money and stuff and achievement and titles. And all of you, especially those of you who are young in your career, you're chasing after that. And I think Jesus' word to you in verse 24 should be a challenge and should be a correction. Because what if you gain all of those things, but lose your life, lose your soul? You see, it's a matter of getting wrong the priorities of Jesus. And and the other thing that I had to tell myself as I was having a meal with his friend was, I am getting a big payday. 
Don't you see that? If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are in Christ, your payday is secure and it comes in glory. When Jesus says, you are my beloved, come enter the room that I have prepared for you and the riches of the heavenly inheritance are far above, far surpass anything that you can have in this world. So count this world loss and follow after Jesus. What makes for a good life? What makes for the good life? We have so many different measures of what the good life is. Wealth and title and success and a happy family. Or how big your yacht is. Jesus gives us the answer to that question. He says that the measure of the good life is if you would throw it all away to follow him. It's loss. Jesus says that the way you measure the good life is loss. Following after Jesus is a cross. It's a loss. And thirdly and lastly, it's a boss. Verse 26 For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Following Jesus means, quite simply, that he is the boss of our lives. He is the one that we listen to. He is the one that we follow without being embarrassed about it. I've got three teenagers. I know all about embarrassment right now. Specifically, how they are constantly embarrassed by me. Right? Their dad, their authority, their pastor too. I mean, it's, it's really bad for them. But aren't we postured the same towards Jesus most of the time? That's what this word means in, in verse 26. Those who are ashamed of me, those who are embarrassed about me, where are you embarrassed about Jesus and his word? Because following after Jesus means that you're no longer embarrassed to follow after him. You're not embarrassed about the truth of his grace and his love and his way of living. It means that you no longer roll your eyes at God's word. But you seek to follow. Following means accepting as authority both the presence and the words of another person, specifically of Jesus. How are you doing at that? Where are the places that you want to apologize for Jesus, right? Like a teenager apologizing to his friends for lame old dad. You ever feel that inside yourself where you, you kind of have to apologize for Jesus? Friends, he is our boss. He is our authority. He is our king. We do not need to apologize for him. And he does not need our protection. Do you find yourself apologizing for grace? This idea that people can be forgiven for hideous things that they have done and done again and again? Do you find yourself apologizing for second chances and third chances and seventh chances? Do 
Do you find yourself wanting to apologize that the Bible, Jesus' word, teaches a comprehensive ethic of life that protects the old and the unborn and the disabled and the hurting? Do you want to apologize for that? What about, do you want to apologize for Christianity's crazy, self-sacrificial ethic of generosity, of giving away more and more to the point that it hurts? Do you want to apologize for that? Do you want to apologize that God has designed us to have one day in seven where we rest and where we gather with this motley crew of other people and worship Him and Him alone? Do you want to apologize for that? Do you want to apologize for living a life that is sober-minded, of going to a party and saying, I will have one drink, not four, and having people look down at you and maybe call you names? Do you want to apologize for that? Are you ashamed of Jesus? Are you embarrassed that he would be your boss? Jesus Christ deserves to be followed. There's only one thing that will rightly sustain following after Jesus, right? Taking up your cross, seeing this world as loss, and receiving Jesus as boss. The only thing that will sustain it is you knowing the grace of of Jesus Christ. You understanding the good news of Christianity that as a gift God has given you life through his son Jesus. And the more disconnected you are from that truth, the more disconnected you are from Jesus Christ, the more that following after Jesus will feel optional. Or maybe better than optional is it will feel negotiable. But if you know his grace, if you rightly see the cross, if you know yourself to be a sinner deserving of God's judgment, but saved by Jesus Christ, then following after him, it's the most natural thing in the world. You'll be begging to do it because you want to follow your Savior. You want to be a disciple of the King. And you see, this is what my friend who is trying to talk kids out of a, a, a life uh, following after Jesus on the bus ride home. This is what he understood. He understood that if grace had really gotten into their hearts, if they really understood the gospel, they would count the cost and they would say, I'm all in. How could I do anything else? You have the words of life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And so it will be with you as well. If you truly understand Christ and his grace, you will follow despite the cross and the loss and the boss. You know, there are times where my job can start to feel like it's cajoling or browbeating or arm twisting, begging you to follow after Jesus. Nope, it's not my job. And you know what? My job also is not to provide therapy that makes you feel happy all the time. My job is to proclaim and embody before you the astounding grace and love of the Lord Jesus Christ for sinners, for you and for me. 
and to trust that as you hear that grace, as it breaks through all the noise and all the other narratives in our world, that God's Holy Spirit will make you want to follow after Him. With great expectations and prayers, that wherever he calls, we may follow. Let's pray. Jesus, I feel particularly glad this afternoon that you didn't sugarcoat your message to your disciples or to us. And Father, I pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would give us the boldness and the endurance to follow wherever you lead, willingly losing our lives so that we would save them, willingly denying ourselves and taking up our cross to follow you, in willing receiving your authority in our lives spurning all the other false voices and listening intently with our ears turned towards your voice that calls and says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come, find rest for your souls, find purpose for your life, and find rest everlasting. We pray this all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.